Welcome back to another episode of Jake's Takes. My name is Jake. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. And on this week's episode, I'm going to be looking at just a little bit on Ben Simmons. And, you know, this is still an issue. And this is still something that's going on in the NBA. And this is something that as much as, you know, most NBA fans want this to just end in some fashion, it's still prevalent. And it is still something that we're going to have to, you know, discuss until the situation changes. And this is kind of looking at the situation of Ben Simmons, but also the situation involving Daryl Morey himself and sort of his um, stance on these sort of things and how he kind of views trades and everything. So I kind of want to look at sort of the Philadelphia angle as well as sort of the other angles in it. Um, and, you know, I think because the whole Ben Simmons thing has been going on for a while, it's something that you still have to kind of discuss a little bit, and I just kind of want to go down that road just, uh, on this one. So, obviously, in the last podcast, we talked about Ben Simmons and the sort of Detroit angle and how they were interested, and it was uh, came out that Jeremy Grant was not the piece that they wanted, but Cade Cunningham was the piece that they wanted from Detroit, which obviously, if you know, uh, Cade Cunningham was the rookie, number one overall pick, and was the guy coming out of Oklahoma that was the top-tier uh, prospect, and this is obviously something that will not happen because, um, obviously, uh, he's a big big piece player etc and somebody who has um a bright future in detroit and a team that's rebuilding a doesn't want to get rid of their prized possession for ben simmons who's not in a rebuild mode and b ben simmons probably doesn't want to go there because of the fact that he's going to be at the bottom of the eastern conference for the next three to four years if not more depending on how things go so this pairing of ben simmons in detroit really wasn't going to be a good one because there was a good chance that in a year or two he could do the exact same thing again with uh, Detroit, and I don't think they really want to do that. So, is there interest from Detroit? There probably was. Did they kick the tires? Just like every team who's kind of kicked the tires, they probably did. But as we know with most of these teams, the offer from Philly's side of things is so, in my opinion, outrageous, which I think most people would say that. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't going to happen. So one thing throughout this whole process that I've noticed is that almost all of the offers thrown out when we get this news and feedback is fair offers from the side of whatever team's involved in Philly. At least I think so. So, you know, if there's something involving the Pacers or Sacramento or whatnot, whatever trades come out, it's usually, in my opinion, fair. But the Philadelphia 76ers on their side just completely are against it and they decline it and they propose something that most people, including myself, would say is a little outlandish and a little far off the map, if you will, because Sacramento is an example where the focal point of a Sacramento deal was uh, Buddy Heald in the eyes of Sacramento. And the way Ben Simmons has been with the issues and everything going on, it's fair to say that if you kind of build your trade around draft picks, Buddy Heald, and maybe something else, whether that's Harrison Barnes, whether that's Terrence Davis, whether that's, you know, uh, Marvin Bagley, there's a concept to be made. 
and a case to be made that that's a decent deal, you know, for all sides. I mean, Buddy Heald's a, a good shooter, someone who could be your starting shooting guard. Play with uh, Seth Curry. I mean, not a bad deal. But uh, as uh, it was reported, they wanted either De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton, more so De'Aaron Fox, which I don't think Sacramento is going to do anything involving De'Aaron Fox until De'Aaron Fox says he doesn't want to be there. And at this point, he's fine. No answers. And he's sticking in. Sacramento. So that's not going to happen, right? We don't know what the Celtics offer was. They kicked the tires on potentially a Ben Simmons deal because they're like, okay, he's a great guy. He fits alongside Tatum and Brown. Schroeder's a good shooter. We can have a bunch of guys surrounding him, but they wanted Jalen Brown and rightfully so. The Celtics said no. Obviously, you know, the Celtics have tried trades where Anthony Davis was involved and with Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler and all these other guys. And while they weren't the right trades, they were far better including Jalen Brown in those deals than for Ben Simmons because Kawhi Leonard was an all-star. And if you had Kawhi Leonard and Kyrie, at that point you could have convinced yourself that a Tatum-Kyrie-Kawhi Leonard trifecta would have been a good team and they would have stick around, stuck around long-term. And same with Anthony Davis. Kyrie-Anthony Davis-Tatum would have been a great three pairing. Uh, but... Ben Simmons is a great player, just you're not going to give up Jalen Brown for that because this is a disgruntled star, and it's just not worth it. And you can kick the tires on a trade involving Marcus Smart because he hasn't been playing as good, or some of the young guys because they haven't been playing as good in draft picks, but when Jalen Brown's on the table, either A, the Celtics would have wanted far more than just what Philadelphia was asking for, or it just wouldn't have happened, which it did so in every situation, it seems like what the NBA teams are interested in for trading away in uh, receiving Ben Simmons, Philadelphia takes it far higher than they should. And I don't know if that's Daryl Morey's sort of perception of things and how he feels like Ben Simmons is a lot more valuable. On paper, his numbers show a very, very good all-star level player that most teams would give up a lot to get. But his persona... His personality, his sort of demeanor in the way he's been acting throughout this whole process obviously gives teams a little bit of a hesitation, which the value goes down a little bit. And so while you would expect maybe a Ben Simmons, De'Aaron Fox deal on paper makes sense because A, Sacramento has a ton of great pieces at the point guard with Davion Mitchell and Halliburton. And then the fact that, you know, they're both all... Or, Ben Simmons is a three-time All-Star, and, you know, I think in in theory it makes sense, but nobody wants to trade for Ben Simmons because of how this situation has taken place. And so, Daryl Morey has come out and said that he's willing to wait till next offseason in the hopes that there's more opportunities, more chances to move Ben Simmons for a better package. I don't know if Ben Simmons is happy with that, but I know for sure it seems like Daryl Morey is okay with that. And that's his choice, and that's fine. But you're going to make the situation much worse with Ben Simmons. He's just not going to play. He's going to get upset. And things are going to just happen, right? And if the right offer had come up, it would have happened already. But it hasn't for one reason or another. So also, which came out most recently, was from Shams, uh, oh, from Sam Amick on The Athletic. Uh, basically saying that the 76ers um, are looking at 30 players, and they have a list of 30 players that they would deem acceptable in a Ben Simmons trade. Now, I don't know if this is 30 players that would be the centerpiece of a deal, and then other stuff would have to be throw it, thrown in, or if these are guys that they would trade for straight-up Ben Simmons. I'm guessing it's sort of 
these are guys we would want as our centerpiece of the deal. And if they need to add other stuff, they can. And according to Sam Amick, um, none of these guys are available at the moment, but the 76ers are confident that between 5 and 10 of them will be available next year or two. So 33% or, you know, in between sort of 20 and 33% of the guys on this list are going to be available, according to them, or according to Philadelphia, within the next year or two, which could be free agents, and it could be a sign-and-trade, it could just be someone's not happy, and, you know, they end up getting um, back uh, into good graces, and, uh, you know, they make a trade, basically one disgruntled star for another, um, but I guess at this point, um, you know, I think... Uh, this is a list of guys the 76ers can get. And while we don't know the whole list, obviously the names on the list probably include, um, and according to uh, Sam Amick, uh, Damian Lillard, James Harden, Bradley Beal are all on Philadelphia's list of difference makers. But um, it's not 100% sure who else is on the list. Um, and probably a lot of different all-star players are available on that list for them. So, assuming that your list includes guys like Damian Lillard, James Harden, Bradley Beal, and that sort of echelon of players, nothing's going to get done. Like I said before, Daryl Morey um, says he'll wait this thing out. Um, he was talking in an interview on 97.5, The Fanatic, um, about Simmons' contract. This is not a day-to-day -day thing. This is an everyday we're going to expect Simmons to be back here or we're trading him for a difference maker. There's no other outcome that doesn't materially hurt our chances to win a championship in Joel Embiid's prime. Now, the, the key point in this is difference maker. And I guess a difference maker to them is different than what it is to another team, right? Because, for example, Sacramento could say, okay, Buddy Heald's a difference maker. But they don't think so. De'Aaron Fox is who they want. And it's just going to, I don't know, it's just, I think Daryl Morey's got to get a reality check because if he's going to play hardball with every team and say, look, this is what our offer is, no negotiating, and they're like, well, that's a little steep for someone like Ben Simmons. Can we kind of bring it down a little bit? I feel like every other team in the NBA is kind of on this same plateaued playing field with this, and Daryl Morey is like up in the sky on this one saying, we want such a crazy package that you'd be an idiot if you were another general manager and you took that offer or threw that offer out there. He's all the way up there. Everyone else in the NBA is kind of more at a realistic sort of level. And obviously, when you have a great player who doesn't want to be there, obviously what you expect out of a deal is um, a lot uh, you know, higher value-wise, just as in anything. But even with, for example, the Anthony Davis situation, it seemed like there was the Knicks, the Celtics, and the Lakers involved, and it was not really something this crazy. Anthony Davis wasn't happy. Things didn't work out. Rich Paul made uh, a decision to try and get his client the best opportunity. He went to the Lakers. Good package. I wouldn't say the Lakers package was um, anything other than um, perfect for what they were trying to do. I think the only difference between this one and a lot of other situations, you know, in the case of San Antonio when they got DeMar DeRozan, they were trying to still compete, but it looked like they were kind of doing a soft rebuild or retooling, if you will. Obviously, uh, New Orleans was rebuilding when they made the AD trade. Uh, and you have sort of, um, you know, that situation. 
and uh, Minnesota was kind of looking to potentially do some sort of a rebuild, retooling uh, when they traded away uh, Jimmy Butler to Philadelphia. And so for me, this is different because obviously the 76ers are not looking to rebuild or retool or take a step back. They're looking to go even playing field or go full force for a championship. And if you're trading away someone who was an all-star and a big part of your team before, you'd want to get someone who's going to insert themselves into the lineup and do just as much, if not more, for that team. And so this is a tough situation for everything. Um, and so according to different reports, and I'm reading a CBS Sports article, which kind of goes over all this information in sort of some great detail and, you know, everything going on uh, as well. According to the article, um, reports have indicated that Simmons has lost substantial amount of trade value through this saga. And even if he hadn't, his limitations as a shooter means that he fits only with a very specific sort of roster. So to me personally, I get where they're coming from with this because he is someone who only fits with a certain roster and with a certain group of guys, and that's sort of kind of where he could end up, right? And so Boston is one team that I think would make sense, even though they're not going to trade Jalen Brown, because if your starting core is Schroeder, you know, you have uh, Tatum, Brown, Ben Simmons, and let's just assume... Robert Williams is in there, Ralph Horford, you know, you have guys who can shoot and score, and then you have Ben Simmons who can facilitate, and you have sort of that other option down low, whether that's Al Horford who can kind of pick and roll or sort of stretch his range a little bit if you need to, or Robert Williams pick and roll and play defense and stuff, and so that's a team where you could say, okay, this is a good situation, shooters, scores, and you could build your team around Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum and have great pieces around all three. So that's an option. But obviously they'd want Jalen Brown, which is not going to happen. So, you know, I think this is a tough situation as we keep seeing, you know, Ben Simmons is somebody who is losing value on the trade market and a little bit kind of defending Daryl Morey here, which I don't really think... Um, he's been doing this whole situation right, but part of maybe why he hasn't been uh, as eager to move him for any sort of package is because he knows that if Ben Simmons goes somewhere else, he's an all-star level player, he can make a team so much better, and if you get peanuts back in return, what's that going to mean for your team, right? Because Ben Simmons could flip the switch, be happy again, and play great basketball, right? One team that has shown interest is Golden State. And if you have Golden State with Ben Simmons, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, that's a great team. And you wouldn't want to give another team a great chance to win if you as a team would be losing a piece that's important. And they probably don't value Andrew Wiggins that well. And they probably don't value, you know, if they were to get sort of the younger guys, maybe Kamunga or Moody, it's not enough in their eyes. And no matter how many draft picks and stuff, it wouldn't make a difference, right? And so... This is a tricky situation because I think a lot of teams have had interest but lose interest because what they deem to be a fair package for a guy whose value has dropped, it's not what the 76ers are looking for. And so until Daryl Morey takes a step back and says, hey, this is what we're going to have to do. This is where the market is. Let's go with it. Nothing's going to get done on the Ben Simmons front, unfortunately. That's how it is, unfortunately. 
So I am a huge fan of trading for Ben Simmons in Boston. I'm a fan of trading for Ben Simmons if it's the right situation. But there aren't a lot of teams where the situation is right. And it's part of it has to do with just how Philly's been handling it. And part of it has to do with just everything going on in the NBA uh, itself. And um, I think, to me, obviously we don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, at the end of the day, we will see where... Um, where it goes from here. So I want to move on to what is the next uh, bit of information which we have involving Sacramento Kings and their head coach Luke Walton getting fired after a 6-11 start. So this happened uh, recently, happened today, and they haven't been good, lost seven of their last eight games, haven't played that well at all, and things haven't been the greatest and so I want to look at, um, first and foremost, the sort of Luke Walton angle, and also want to look at um, the where the Kings go from here. So for the sort of Luke Walton angle, he hasn't been a great head coach. He was with the Lakers, and that didn't work out. And he came over here, doesn't work out. Is he a good assistant coach? I think he was an assistant coach in Golden State. He's good at that. But is he a starting coach? Yeah, I don't think so. He's not that good. There are a lot of people who are great assistant coaches that can't break the mold as a head coach because it's a whole different ballgame. If you're an assistant coach and your main goal is defense, you're a defensive-minded assistant coach, you deal with defense, that's great. But can you take that and put it together with the offensive side, put that together as a head coach? Not really. Uh, Two-plus seasons with the team, 68-93 record, not that good. And that's where they're at. So... Associate head coach Alvin Gentry uh, is uh, expected to be a strong candidate to serve as the interim head coach. And first-year assistant coach Doug Christie, who played with the team for a while and was a broadcaster, could be a candidate for the interim role. Um, And so this is an interesting situation. This is the first time that their general manager, Monty McNair, will get a chance to hire his own head coach because Luke Walton was hired under... Uh, Vladi Divac, who was the previous GM. So um, I don't really know where they're going to go here. Um, I don't really know what the plan is. Um, But the Kings have had a lot of issues. And maybe this is the first chance Monty McNair gets to kind of cement himself in this sort of Sacramento Kings organization, get to put a good, you know, person in charge and give someone a chance. And who knows what's going to happen? We'll see going forward. But I am uh, 100% a fan of bringing in someone who's going to help this young core kind of figure out what's going on. And, you know, I think that's where they obviously need to go. Um, so that's their situation right there. We'll see what happens. Also, uh, in the news, New Orleans Pelicans guard Didi Lauza suspended 25 games for violating the NBA NBPA anti drug program. He tested positive for uh, drostanolone and testosterone. So um, I guess he used some banned substances, and uh, I guess um, that's where they're at. Uh, Yeah, I guess uh, it's tough. Um, According to him, these are his words. um, When I was in Brazil during the offseason, I consulted a nutritionist who recommended I take some vitamins and supplements. Because she has a history of working with professional athletes, I would never have imagined that any of those substances would be banned or could be contaminated. Once I've learned of the positive test, I immediately cooperated completely with the league 
and union to help all of us understand exactly what occurred. I would never knowingly take anything that violates NBA rules. I accept my responsibility in this situation. I deeply regret that this has happened, and I apologize to my team, teammates, and Pelicans fans for my mistake. So, yeah, I don't know if the drugs that she prescribed were okay in Brazilian sports, but maybe not in uh, the NBA or American sports. Um, but it sounds like he took this um, and really did not um, mean to uh, or took supplements not thinking there was any substances in them that were banned by the NBA. Um, obviously, he's going to be out for a while. I don't think he's the greatest player anyways. He was a second-round pick, but you never know how good uh, he turns out later on in his career. But right now, um, I guess at the moment, they're going to be kind of taking a, a, a second and looking at the situation. He's going to be out for 25 games, and that's kind of where they're at at the moment. And so he is um, going to be out for 25 games. So that's uh, something else to uh, to talk about. So their team's not that good anyways. New Orleans has had, um, had a, a tough go of it. I also want to point out that we are going to be getting another jersey retirement. Dallas Mavericks are retiring Dirk's jersey, number 41, uh, in uh, January. January 5th, Golden State, Dallas Mavericks. This is this is it. This is when he gets his number retired. He is um, the franchise leader in points, games, starts, minutes, rebounds, three-pointers, free throws, and blocks. Um, highest scoring uh, foreign-born player in NBA history. Sixth on the all-time list with 31 560 points. I'd also like to point out uh, that we are also going to see the Dallas Mavericks play the Boston Celtics, and I think it's March, and we will see Kevin Garnett's number five get retired by uh, the the Boston Celtics. So Dirk's number is getting retired, and we see Kevin Garnett's number is getting retired. Two of the best power forwards of the modern era of basketball, and two very, very good players. Um, one who played his whole career in Dallas, and one who played uh, a portion of his career, but a well-performed uh, well, uh, portion of his career in Boston, where he had arguably, in six years, more success championship-wise, playoff-wise, than he did in his whole career in Minnesota. And I know a lot of Minnesota fans love Kevin Garnett, and uh, his number's not getting retired anytime soon in Minnesota. But now that A-Rod's in charge, maybe he will retire his number where um the last guy um he didn't so we'll see what happens there but the celtics retired paul pierce's number and now they retire kevin garnett's number paul pierce got inducted into the hall of fame by kevin garnett and here we are so two of my personal favorite boston celtics players paul pierce and kevin garnett garnett's getting his number retired number five this is a great thing um because i grew up watching Paul Pierce, and when Paul Pierce and Garnett teamed up in Boston, I watched all of that, the championship, 2010, everything that happened, and he is he is a great player, and so I'm happy to see this, uh, when it's all said and done, he did a good job in his career, and obviously for Dirk, he is, um, you know, a big part of their history in Dallas, and also, um, Jason Kidd, who is uh, their championship point guard, is the head coach, so that's uh, something else. So uh, Dallas has had three players retired uh, numbers 
Brad Davis, Ronaldo Balkman, and Derek Harper. So this is number four. Congrats to Dirk. And, yeah, I guess that's where we are. That's where we're at. And we'll see what uh, goes on in the future with um, the uh, Ben Simmons situation.